cue fake podcast music. Da 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 da. Bum, bum. Hello and welcome to Michigan Another Mayhem, the show about Michigan murder, mysteries, histories, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. All right, Jen, what you got today? I have two murders in Waterford, Michigan. Okay. I want to talk about a news story that I came across a teen who pushed her friend off of a bridge because that's what you do. I saw that video. You love someone and your besties, you push them off a bridge in a violent manner. That girl, she climbs over the edge and you can see she's like debating whether or not to jump. And I even think at one point she's like not going to jump. When her friend, yeah, violently pushes her from the back off the bridge and into the fucking water. But you see her fall for a moment. Yeah, And you you see her her. like swimming through the air like as you do when you're, yeah. What's the legal ramifications of throwing somebody off a bridge? Not much, obviously. Wow. So it was Jordan Holgerson, H-O-L-G-E-R-S-O-N, was with a group of friends at the Molten Falls Bridge. The bridge is 60 feet high. They were jumping off the bridge, which is illegal. Right. Well, let me just say, as someone who grew up on a lake with a bridge, even when you know you're not supposed to, you do it. You jump off a bridge, yeah. There's a the video that you talk about. Yeah. Jordan's on the bridge ready to jump, but she couldn't do it. She says she's scared. She asks a friend to hold her hand because maybe she could do it then. A guy says to her, you know, you don't have to do it. Taylor Smith pushes her off the bridge in a very violent manner. Yeah. Jordan sustains, just so you know. The four to five ribs, puncture both lungs, bruised all over. She broke four to five ribs? Yep. Wow. And Taylor Smith claims, well, she told me to push her. No, not not in that video she did. Yeah, I watched (laughs) that video multiple times. So she went on Good Morning America and said Jordan asked her to push her off the bridge. You can't see this, you know, conversation on the video at all. Taylor said she apologized and will take whatever her punishment is from the courts. Jordan said, you know, she says, no, I never asked Taylor to push me off the bridge. The judge put her in jail for two days, 38 days of work crew. Dang. Was it some type of assault that she was charged with, did it say? It didn't say. Wow. That it was violent. I mean, I watched. I'm like, this this girl has no leg to stand on. And I thought it was interesting how she's on all these newscasts saying this. And not a single reporter said, it's not in the video. Right. You know, because it would be in the video. The video is continuous. Oh, yeah. It takes, yeah, it starts before that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So why no one said anything? I have no idea. I called her a liar. Do you know sometimes when you go on talk shows, you can say to them, here are questions I don't want to be asked or subjects I don't want to talk about. You can do that. You can say, as a condition of me coming here, I'll come here, but you can't talk to me. But you can't mention that that's not on the video and you can't call me a liar. Probably. That's probably the conversation that was had. Now, what did you, what are you coming today with? Oh, I want to talk about Bessie Stringfield. She's the motorcycle queen. I love a badass woman. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love myself a badass woman. She's Sounds badass. And I actually have had her art. I wrote up her thing months ago, maybe November. Mm-hmm. And she was on the, re- I found her on the Rejected Princesses site too. The same as Ludmila Pelvinchenko, the oh, okay, World yeah. War II sniper. I love that website. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. 
Oh, you know, the one thing I was going to talk about is I made a mistake of binging true crime podcasts for hours yeah. repeatedly. <laughs> Did oh, you have nightmares? Oh, no, but I lost faith in humanity for a minute. <laughs> What did you do because of that? Um, I actually filled out a volunteer form for Michigan Crime Stoppers. You are such a good human being. Thank you. I also have checked out other volunteer organizations because I was just like, what really got to me, I love true crime. What really got to me were the unsolved cases, mm-hmm. especially when it's nobody really knows who did it. Nobody. My sense of justice unquenched like i am hungry for some justice and there is no food out there <laughs> did you check out web sleuth that website um that... I'll, I'll think about it I, I remember you brought it up i just forgot about it of course when i sat in front of the computer but i need to do something something i need to help in some way somebody needs to go down for this <laughs> So we need to pick one. I need some justice, bitches. <laughs> so maybe we need to pick a cold case Yeah. in Michigan. Okay. Oh, here, your earring came out. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Go out there. Yeah. Get out there. Comb the woods. Yeah. Make it happen. All right. Anything. Maybe I always thought maybe the th- case that broke me was the lady, Ellie Brueger, that we were talking about that was shot. Yeah. Probably by her ex-boyfriend. And nobody's going to jail for that shit. So we need to get out there and get some evidence. Her name was Allie. (laughs) Which I know my real name isn't Allie. It's just my nickname. But close up. Fuck enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe we got to just find one. Why don't we just find one and become investigators? We can investigate something. All right. Well, tell me about your story today. And I'll end on a good note. Because I'm about to tell you about a badass motherfucking woman. You've been making me go first a lot. Yeah, but I don't make you go first. Yeah, she she pulls my hair until uh-huh. I say yes behind the scenes. He has to say off air, I'm, I'm hair pulling and biting. Yeah, <laughs> beat me up. All right, I have two murders in Waterford. Okay. One just happened, and we'll talk about that one first. Okay. In March 2019, Beth Ann Alsup. I'm not even going to try. Just spell. It's A-L-S-U-P dash S-U-D-Z. She was age 56. Okay. She failed to show up at work for her shift. Okay. Her work called for a wellness check because that wasn't, it's not normal. Yeah. The other day when we had breakfast, we were talking about, I worked at a large hospital for just over 20 years and twice a co-worker was found dead because as her. You know, as they're the two ladies' co-workers, we were concerned, mm-hmm. and we called the police to check on them. And actually, my cousin Brandy had the same thing happen at a Burger King she had worked at. There was a lady that showed up always, 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 and one morning she didn't show up, and by, like, the second morning, they're like, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think if I didn't show up to work, I don't think anybody would do a wellness check on me. Yeah, they would. I don't think so. They would call you and come over. Now, I don't think so. The police went out to the house, and they found her dead from a blunt force trauma and found her husband, Thomas Paul, S-U-D-Z, age 71, unconscious from a a supposed overdose. Oh. He was in critical condition. They took him to the hospital. He survived. So not because it's a new case, not too much out there, but we know that the police 
of course, believe it's the husband because well, Thomas was charged, once he got well, yes. Thomas was charged with first-degree premeditated murder. And it's unclear at this time what led to him killing his wife. So we'll be following this one because it just happened. Okay. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I found this, and then I was like, oh, what other things in Waterford? Yeah, I wouldn't live in Waterford. Oh. But at this point, where I will live is dwindling. Yeah, I was going to say, you also so, said not tailored because your coworker will kill you. Yeah. You so. can't. No, you cannot. Maybe you can live in Taylor. Yeah, but work but elsewhere. But you can't work in Taylor. So after I had found the current case, I stumbled upon another one in Waterford that happened in 2018 okay. that was just finished this month, March 2019. Okay. So the wife murders her husband. Tina Talbot, age 51, shot her husband, Milo's, M-I-L-O-S-Z. Okay. And he has a name I cannot pronounce. Okay. S-Z-C-Z-E-P-A-N-O-W-I-C-C. Okay. Yep. She shot him two times in the back of the head while he was sitting outside in the backyard. She just walked up to him and shot him. Wow. At this, they do have a seven-year-old son, and he's in the house at this point. Okay. After shooting her husband, she immediately called 911 and told him that she shot her husband. Sounds like battered wife syndrome. Mm -hmm. So Tina claimed she was abused. He abused her physically and emotionally for years. The four days leading up to... His murder? His murder. She said he had just beaten the crap out of her. Emotionally abused her and beat the shit out of her. She was actually taken to the hospital when the police arrived with a broken arm, a damaged spleen, and other injuries. Yeah, I was going to say, whenever I feel like a woman just walks up to a man and shoots him, usually I feel like she was abused and scared and this is like her one moment. Yeah. Yeah. So she was arrested. Yeah. You know, she murdered her husband. I just think it's crazy. Like, you She was in the hospital for days he beat her so bad. Yeah, so this happened in 2018. Yeah. And so almost a whole entire year goes by trying to figure out, you know, what's the court going to do with her. Yeah. You know. You've seen the pictures. You had to take her to the hospital. Obviously, she was beat, so I don't know why it took so long all the way to March 2019 for them to give her a plea deal. Okay. So they gave her a plea deal. That she would only serve, have a minimum sentence that would not exceed 29 months. Oh, wow. And, of course, they haven't, the judge hasn't given the actual sentence, but that's the plea deal. So they must have believed that she was battered and in fear for her life. Well, I would think so, because, come on. Look yeah, at, yeah, look yeah, at her, her arm broken, her. her spleen's damaged. But I don't, yeah. so her son was living with family okay. this whole time. So I don't understand why... It took them this long, and so she's away from her kid this long, yeah. when you you know what happened. Yeah. She went, she, she got sick of it, and she killed him. Yeah. that's That was her only out that she believed to yeah. be her only out. And I just don't think it should have taken that long. Oh, well. I don't, I don't, I don't blame it. You never know unless you're in the situation. You don't know what's going to happen. I told you I had a friend who got beat with a baseball bat, like, unrecognizable, and it wasn't, she didn't leave him for years. Yeah, I mean... It shouldn't have taken, I'm talking about the court case, Oh, shouldn't have taken a year and her being away from her kid for a year. Oh, that doesn't bother me. I worked at a court. Really? I know things take a long time. Look yeah. at you. I'm you don't sorry. even care. This kid doesn't have her mom. I do care. 
Wait, she wasn't out on bail that whole time? No. Oh. Well, I bet I bet his family, though, probably was, like, looking for some justice. I don't know. I'm of two minds on that one. I'm with her. You should kill his ass. But oh, I can yeah. understand that his yeah, family yeah. probably was, like, you know, my brother or my son or whatever was murdered. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Okay. You seem so sure. No, we're, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna disagree. I, are yeah, you? I'm just gonna disagree with you. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it should have taken that long to to. Did she get that? Since she wasn't supposed to serve more than twenty nine months, was that added to her? You know, sentence the time that she spent waiting that year. You don't know yet because she oh. just took the plea this March. Oh, okay. So you don't know yet. I we'll follow up on that one in the hatchet death and the one you just said too. Yeah, I got a lot of follow ups. Follow up. We should just do a podcast that's nothing but follow ups. Okay. I can follow up on things. I'm okay. a good follower. Yeah, you do really good following up. What I want to talk about is an awesome woman. Her name is Bessie Stringfield. Okay. Okay, um, there's a couple of things I'm going to explain in the beginning, but we've got recents. Okay. So she was born Bessie Patrice White, but the public was told that her birth name was Bessie Lenora Ellis. I'll explain why later. Stringfield is the last name of her third husband. Mm-hmm. Which she kept at his request because he he had felt that he helped make her famous. So he said, you know, please, out of respect for me, keep my last name. And she did, even though she was married three more times after that. Mm-hmm. Because she was married a total of six times. She lost three babies with her first husband, and that just devastated her. And after that, she didn't try to have any more children. Bessie was born, okay, in 1911 or 1912. Okay. I'll explain why that's an issue. <laughs> in Edenton, North Carolina, and she was a black woman. Later in life, she changed up the details about her life story, specifically the beginning of her life. Bessie's parents are listed with different names and ethnicities. Jeez, that was really hard. At different times, her mom was said to be a domestic servant, and her dad was her mother's employer. Oh, okay. So her birthday was publicized as being February... 1911 but her death certificate said that she was born in march of 1911 and her social security card had her birthday as being march or march of 1912 bessie's biographer said that bessie changed her story because she was running from her early past and that it didn't diminish her achievements so i didn't look too hard into the fact that she had so many different birthdays yeah so bessie moved from north carolina to boston when she was five years old when her both her parents died from smallpox and she was adopted and raised by an irish couple and Bessie really loved her adoptive parents, but she always felt kind of different from them. They, when they adopted her, they were older, white, Irish couple from Boston, and she was a young black girl from North Carolina. Yeah. Bessie That's taught different. her. Yeah, but she really loved them, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was different. She taught herself how to ride a motorcycle when she was 15, and her parents did relent to the idea of a girl riding a motorcycle, which was considered unusual at the time, which was about 1927. Okay. Basically, the story was some guys had a motorcycle. She's like, let me hop on that bad boy. They're like, I doubt you can't ride it. And she was just took off. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yes. So. Like in your face. Yeah. She's like, I can't ride it. <laughs> <laughs> um, her parents bought Bessie a 1928 Indian Scout for her 16th birthday the following year. Oh, that's cool. So I thought, yeah, her parents really did support her. When she was like 18, 19, around 1931. She started traveling around the U.S. on the back of a motorcycle. Bessie became the first African-American woman to ride across the U.S. solo on a motorcycle. Her travels took her on shows and tours that went through um, Europe, Brazil, and Haiti. 
and Betsy made money by performing motorcycle stunts and carnival shows. Like she was one of those ladies that would like ride up walls or ride in a circle, like upside down in a circle and along um, the sides of a circular cage. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and she also competed and won in um, races for prize money and for different cash items and stuff. My next sec- <laughs> the next section of my papers is called Because Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Due to her skin color, Bessie was often denied sleep accommodations while traveling, and she would often have to sleep on the back of her motorcycle, which can't be too comfortable. Sometimes other black families would let her shelter in their homes during bad weather. Hmm. And due to her sex, she would be refused flat track race um, prizes and races that she entered. And one particular occasion, Betsy had won a race, and when she took her helmet off, they immediately took the prize back from her. It was then announced that if they had known a woman was racing, they would have stopped her from joining in the first place. And the man in second place received the prize. Whoa. Did she not register with her name? I don't know. She just did, like, B. Stringfield, and they didn't know. So Bessie would often have to be her own mechanic because no one would help her, and she became excellent at repairing motorbikes on the go. And if just think about it, because roads were even worse back in the day. Most roads were dirt, and we didn't have interstate highways, and she's traveling all across the U.S. Mm -hmm. And she became one of the few civilian motorcycle dispatch riders, also known as couriers, for the U.S. Army in World War II, and she did that for four years. She completed this rigorous training while other people failed out, and she rode a Harley-Davidson for her wartime job. She was the only woman in a unit of seven, and the rest were black men. During this time, she crossed the U.S. territories eight times. Wow. Yeah, we're not exactly a teeny tiny country either. Mm -hmm. And she had shitty roads and no mechanic and was sleeping on her bike. Yeah. Women can endure, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Even though Bessie was assisting with the war effort, she often encountered racism during her rides. She reported driving and being deliberately driven off a road by a white male in a pickup truck while in the South. But how unpatriotic is that? She is working to win the war, and this ignorant dude tries to hurt her. Like, she's a civilian working for the government, and this is how you treat her. So after her parents' deaths in the 1950s, Bessie moved from Boston to Miami, Florida. And this is where she was told that black women, and I won't tell you what they called her, starts with an N, um, are not allowed to ride on motorcycles. And she was denied her driver's license for a motorcycle. So Bessie continued to ride anyway, and she was repeatedly pulled over and harassed by the cops. So she just went to go visit the captain. And she said to the, you know, she had the captain agree to go to her park where she would, she's like, let me go to this park and I'll show you what I can do. So she basically challenged him to a drive off. And then she like basically popped a wheelie, jumped a ramp, drove up a wall and was like, yeah. da <laughs> That's great. And he's like, I can't do that. So she gained her license and the captain admitted that he had never seen a woman ride with that level of skill. While in Miami, Bessie earned her qualification as a practical nurse and founded the Iron Horse Motorcycle Club. Bessie's skills and stunts at local motorcycle shows drew attention to her, and the press dubbed her the Negro Motorcycle Queen, and then later changed her nickname to the Motorcycle Queen of Miami, which she kept until she died. Bessie died in 1993, around age 82, from a heart condition. She rode motorcycles right up to the time of her death. That's cool. Yes. Betsy had Bessie had no known relatives. Robert Scott Thomas, whose family employed Bessie as a housekeeper when she was a child, was named the ex, 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 executor. Execu- executor. Thank you. And beneficiary of her state. Next time I'll point to you, you say the word. <laughs> they were, um, and I think, so if she was empl- employed by them, 
when she was young, that must mean it's part of her father's family because her her dad employed her mother. Yeah. So the American Motorcycle Association opened up the Motorcycle Heritage Museum in 1990, and they had her in their inaugural inaugural exhibit. But she wasn't inducted into the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame until 2002, which is after her death. So it did bother me that they exhibited her in the opening, mm-hmm. and then you know when she was alive, but didn't add her into, permanently to the museum until she passed away. <clears throat> I just thought you guys people could, yeah? get honored before they die. Uh huh. You don't have to die to get in there. Oh, and where um, is it located? Oh my gosh, I don't think I wrote that down. But I can tell you, she's one of only four women in the museum's Hall of Fame, and she's the only black woman in the Hall of Fame. That's cool. Yeah. There is an award that's given by the American Motorcyclists Association, and it's for superior achievement by a female motorcycle, and that's named in her honor. <coughs> Excuse me. The award rec- <coughs> Don't die on me. Finish it. <laughs> and then you can die. Finish talking. <laughs> the award recognizes those who bring in new people to motorcycling. So I thought that was cool. Now, it... I don't know why, but I'll keep a link to it. In in 2018, the New York Times ran an obituary for her. She died in 1993. Yeah. Just, well, what the obituary say? Basically that she was awesome, and it talks about how cool she was. It's just like a regular obituary more than 20 years later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I also have a link to the Rejected Princesses website that I'm so in love with. And I have a couple random facts about Bessie because I just thought she's badass. Okay. Okay, so besides her original Indian Scout motorcycle, she owned 27 different Harleys. Wow. Oh, yeah. Sometimes she would flip a penny over the map of the U.S. to determine what her next destination would be when it landed. So wherever the penny landed is where she drove off to. That's That's cool. We need to do that. Let's just flip a coin and then travel there. Heck yeah, dude. So she was a Christian and often credited, she called God the man upstairs. She called the man up. she said she credited the man upstairs with her success. All of her husbands were 22 to 24 years her junior. At hey! Age, hey, well, at age 70, she said she wouldn't take a man over, <laughs> over 35, even at her current age. Wow. Yeah, she's like, at 70, she's like, I wouldn't even have a man over 35 right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> like... I love you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so you've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, and correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.